Blog Talk Radio. What up, everybody? It's the Diard Rose Show. I am Brian Rosen, of course, joined by Brian Diardo, and uh, excited to bring you this impromptu podcast. We have some great stuff to talk about, and uh, I'd say let's just jump right in with uh, Brian. Uh, first, you know, how you're doing, and then the Diardo's Diatribe. You're going to do your Diardo's Diatribe, then I can do my Rosen's Rumbling, and uh, we can go from there. No reason to even waste time. Let's just get going right now. What do you got for me, sir? Well, hey, the Diatribe, normally uh, negative, but you know what? I'm an angry old, not all the time, but I'm getting up there in age, I guess. But my, my Diatribe was overall that my, my Blue Jackets viewing experience uh, last night. Now, I've been selfish, or, or yeah, I've been a little spoiled recently. They haven't lost regular season game that I've attended in 13 months. Uh, last night they were thumped by the Devils 4-1. to one. It, it felt like the early years of going to Blue Jackets games, a half-filled stadium and expecting them to lose, and ultimately they lost. Very uninspired effort. Um, no fight at all. They were clearly the inferior team last night. Feelings I haven't experienced at a Jackets game in a long time. So uh felt like I, I wasted money. I won't say how much, but I wasted it. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, that's not uh, – that, last night showed me why people stopped going to Blue Jacket games. Uh, and that's why they're having problems filling that stadium now during the week, uh, despite how good they are. Diet, now, the second half of my diatribe. Never done this before in my life, Brian. Never. But I did it last night. I yelled or I confronted uh, opposing fans at a stadium. Never done that in my life. You know how normally nice I am? But probably, probably – Yeah, that's not you. College-age – no, but a bunch of college kids, Devils fans, were yelling, F the Jackets, and, and, you know, what have they ever done? And then they started reeling off the years they had won the Stanley Cup, which half of them were, were not right. Uh, and so I turned around and said to, the, to one of the kids, I said, do you know who they beat when they won that cup? The kid said, no. And I said, well, then you need to start knowing your history. And he said, well, I wasn't, I was like four years old. I said, not excuse. And then they said to me, oh, we're trying to enjoy the game. I said, well, you can enjoy it without being disrespectful. So just a little memo to uh, fans out there going to a Jackets game. If you see this little redhead there and you're going to be disrespectful to the Jackets, you might want to think twice. That's my Diardo diatribe. All right. I, I, I like it. A um, couple of things. Number one, New Jersey's worthless completely at me. Yes. All you want, that land loyalty. <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong. Okay, it's a terrible place. You're sorry. It is what it is. Uh, it looks like they may be legalizing sports gambling, so I respect to that just because I just think that's a good thing regardless. But anyway, so for me, I want to talk, I'm gonna, you know, I guess kind of combine mine, a little bit about the game, the game, Ohio State and that team up north, and then a little bit about what happened with the playoffs. So I'll start off just with, you know, the game itself. It was it was an interesting feeling. I, ha- I have to I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's funny we could really be talking about, you know, the, the the Big Ten championship, but I don't really have too much to say about that beyond JT Barrett, incredibly courageous. But I was really bummed. I was bummed that JT got hurt. I give a ton of credit to Dwayne Haskins. He played great, but I was bummed he got hurt, and, and I think that. The game plan early on, they did not have Dobbins in enough. They didn't give the ball to the running backs enough. I think that it wasn't so much that JT struggled against Michigan. It's that he just – I thought the game plan was terrible. So credit for Haskins, but that was a great victory. And, I mean, from the other team's perspective, 
here we go again. This was another year where it was there for them. They had their shot. They definitely, we all know they should have won in the shoe in 2016. That, that's no secret. And if, you, if you're not sure of that, you better rewatch that game if you can handle it. But the first quarter was as bad a quarter as I can ever remember. Absolutely brutal. But they came together. Unbelievable catch by Austin Mack. You know, not at the level of a Gonzo catch, but in terms of importance, I mean, maybe Ohio State doesn't win that game without it. So perhaps I should give that more credit. But definitely a really gritty, gutsy performance. Haskins did his job, and you you get the win again. And it's amazing. This level of dominance I always appreciated. And that's my first tie into the playoffs, Brian, is I feel very strongly about the fact that to me, a successful season is beating Michigan. Everything else is gravy, and I'm not alone in feeling that way, but I have to admit I, I'm no, certainly not in the majority anymore, uh, if I ever was, if, if there ever was a majority. But that's what I care about. We got that win. I'm happy. Now, as far as the playoff is concerned, very simple. Three teams did enough to earn the right to enter the college football playoff, and it was the, it was the top three teams. All right. I mean, that's, I, you know, it was Georgia, uh, you know, it was, it was three, Oklahoma was two, Clemson was one. They all earned it. They all deserved to be there. So then you had in a situation where you needed a fourth team. And I guess I am, I'm more upset that Alabama got in than I am that Ohio State didn't. Because as I say, as I'm saying, Ohio State didn't deserve to get in, quite simply. But neither did Alabama. Alabama was in an SEC that is – you know, they have a reputation, but they didn't back it up all year. They didn't play one team that was worth a damn, or I'm sorry, beat one team that was worth a damn all year. LSU was awful. They lost to Troy. Mississippi State lost to Ole Miss. I know it was a rivalry game, but they're terrible. So, you know, it was – they didn't deserve it. They did not look good against Auburn. They did not – and I understand it's not all about conference championships, but I just did not see a team – that had that level of dominance. I saw a team that historically is the best program, at least, you know, recently, the last decade or so. And they, I think they got in because of the reputation that they have. And I think they got in because of how terribly, to be fair, Ohio State played against Clemson last year. I don't buy, even though they're saying at the Iowa, how bad the Iowa defeat was. Sure, that was terrible. I get that. But I don't buy that as the real reason. I think Ohio State didn't get in because they were afraid from a ratings perspective, they would have another situation like last year. And you know what? They very well may in either case. Because I don't know if Ohio State was going to beat Clemson. I don't think they were. I think Clemson's going to win another national championship. But I am, you know, just as confident in Alabama losing that game as I am in Ohio State. So, with that being said, I know I gave you a lot there. What are your thoughts on anything you want to talk about, be it the game or the the playoff situation? Well, I, I you know, I want to talk about the game, but I want to address the BCS, or BCS. <laughs> maybe hey. as efficient. Yeah, the throwback Thursday. First. Right, well, here here's my thoughts first on the playoff, is, is that I think we're better off the way we were 20 years ago. Like, right now, if we were 20 years ago, the last year before the BCS, because 97 was the last season that – it was that we had two pools, the AP and the coaches' pool, and like that decided the national champion. Normally, the AP and coaches' pool 
they had the same champion. Some years they didn't. I think I think Michigan was the AP, and then Nebraska was the coaches in '97. So we had two. So that that was one of the reasons why the BCS was born. Now, with that being said, if the, that same system existed today, OSU would still have a chance to win the national title, and that's something that's been taken away from us. That right now there would still be somewhere someone writing about how, and we'd be talking about how. Here's what would happen now. It would depend on who we were going to play, and I think if it if it if it, if it still existed that way, we would have probably we would have played USC in the Rose Bowl. So it would have been hard for us to make our case. You really want to go specific, but I think if you found a way to merge that old voting style with today, we could have played like you know uh, I would have, I wanted to play Alabama. It's not necessarily to me that we didn't make the playoff. It's the fact that I wanted to play Alabama because I think that's what it comes down to more. Not are we better than Clemson, which I think the answer is no. I think we're certainly closer than 31 nothing. And this team was better than last year's team, and we can get into that too. And I think a lot of it was we were uh, – some of that was, was us getting disciplined, I guess, uh, for last year's uh, poor performance, I think. A little bit of it was that. Um, but to me personally, this is no better – than 20 years ago when people said we can't have our national champion come down to a vote. What's different than it, than it now? It's still a vote. It's just called the committee. Like, you're just giving it a different name. But at the end of the day, there are people in a room voting for who, who's going to win the national championship. So to me, and I think this is just like uh, the BCS, where some years they had it right, some years they didn't. Like Ohio State, Miami 02, for example. Those are the two best teams. You want to argue Miami was better? I'm not going to disagree with you. OSU was better that night. Uh, I, I think most years the BCS worked. Florida, Ohio State, it worked that season. There was no, you know, anything like that. I think in this playoff system, this is year four, I think this is the second straight year where they didn't get it right. And I have more uh, empathy now for Penn State people last year where I really didn't. Because last year I was saying, well, don't lose two games. So I kind of feel bad. I have to retract that. Um, but that's where I'm at with this whole thing, Brian. It, it, to me, it's it's still a very flawed system. I think it's even more flawed because, like I said, we know OSU has no shot anymore. That, that is awful. And, and to me, and number one, like, and you're a purist, Brian, with, with Michigan. I don't completely agree with that, but I do agree that, that beating Michigan is a huge part of the season. Not not my number one, but it's it's massive, uh, but I, will, I think winning the Big Ten is my number one. But if you win the Big Ten, you should always play in the Rose Bowl. Always. That should always – like, that should have been our okay but. That should have been our consolation prize like Penn State got. The fact that they took that away from us, that's part of the system now. We're in the BCS, you still get to go to the Rose Bowl. We have gotten so far away from the tradition that made college football great. That, to me, is my biggest disappointment with this entire thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with, every, with everything you said, and I think you really nailed it, especially when it comes to, you know, the whole concept of what's the difference between, you know, the AP poll and the coaches poll and that voting and, and, or even the BCS in this. You know, the inconsistency is unbelievable. I mean, they really, really put their foot in their mouth when they said the week before the, big, the conference championship games, when they said that the difference between five for eight was minimal, and then they came back and they said, well, no, uh, Alabama was unequivocally better than Ohio State. That's the standard, unequivocally better. How can you five for eight be, you know, very close? I don't know what the exact quote was, but, I mean, that's what they said. It was very close. How can five for eight be very close one week 
And then the next week, clearly, they were the better team all year. And they unequivocally are better. I mean, that, that yeah, I mean, it's, it's politics. It's, it's, again, I think that ratings was uh, a thought for them. Instead of doing, you know, what, what was right. I mean, the Big Ten had the best, you know, it was the best conference of college football this year. The SEC was weaker, and it's been a lot of years. And, you know, for that matter, again, I understand, you know, three losses are terrible. But Auburn, if they were to get their running back, carry on Johnson healthy, which I feel like they will by the bowl game, they're clearly better than Alabama. We know that. There's no yep. doubt. So, I mean, by that logic, why the heck? You know, and I know I, I understand that's the easy thing to, the easy thing to disagree with. Ohio State got in last year. But I'm just simply trying to drive, drive home the point that, you know, Auburn injuries really hurt them. And, yeah, they had, you know, they, they, you know, Georgia was the better team on that day, but they did dominate Georgia when healthy. So, and then, you know, the other case is Wisconsin. You know, everyone talked about how awful the schedule was for, you know, uh, Wisconsin. But, I mean, again, Alabama, it's, you know, and it's not their fault to an extent that Florida State sucks. But, you know, they schedule these, these BS cake crap FCS teams like Mercer the week before rivalry week which is ridiculous. So, I mean, again, the stats are all there. Ohio State's three best wins were better than any win that Alabama had. And, again, same, you know, same with Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin had just as much of a case in playing, you know, pretty well. They probably should have gotten crushed, but they didn't, whatever. But, I mean, they, they were close enough to Ohio State why were they on, you know, under almost no consideration? So right. it's, I think it's bad. I think the other thing too, Brian, that I didn't like was Saban. First of all, ESPN giving him the platform to make his case twice on Saturday, and the irony of it the second time was when games were going on. It was like you know that's just such the irony that that if Alabama was so good, they'd be playing right now. He wouldn't be talking to ESPN. And you know when people say they hate ESPN, I normally am kind of an ESPN apologist. That whole experience is why people hate ESPN. They made it about themselves. They milked the ratings as much as they could, and that's why people don't like ESPN for that reason, which is kind of an off-road off rant, rant. But, you know, the whole thing to me, um, I think they need, to, they need to make parameters. They need to make official rules. They need to make, okay, if, if you don't win your conference, you're not going to get into the playoffs. I'm sorry, deal with it. And I think there has to be certain parameters. And if you're, you know, and like, yeah, strength of schedule, like maybe you have to, like, I don't know how they have to do it, but they have to come up with official rule, like rubric. It can't just be a bunch of guys sitting in a room because there's agendas. And I don't think it's honest. It's not, in my opinion, fair to the consumer that we don't know what they're discussing. You know, Pro Football Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame's like, you know, we don't need to know everything that goes into that because, you know what, that's a little bit different. But in, in something that we have an invested interest in as fans, and it's going to impact the outcome of seasons, I think it's fair. I think fans have a right to know what their rubric is because they obviously have one because if they didn't, they're, they're not just walking in and saying Alabama and then they're not speaking anymore. They're obviously making their case. What are they saying in those rooms? Like, why don't we have a camera in there? Like, if they really want ratings, after the playoffs are done, that would or after be their committee's yeah. done, yep. let's get a video of that committee. Let's see what they're. Let's that would see be who's so fun to watch. What. Yeah, yep. They, why they really why aren't we getting that though? I don't know. I, I I have absolutely no idea. And 
you know, honestly, the other thing, as I started to think about it that upset me, was, all right, so Clemson, as we said, you know, Clemson has, you know, they, they were the number one seed. They won the last championship last year. I think they're going to win it again. Okay. So let's go back to 2015. All right, 2015, Michigan State. Yes, Ohio State had an awful game plan, awful game plan that day, and, and ultimately only have their, themselves to blame. But to be fair, it was raining, it was windy, it was awful. It was not, the, you know, a, a football game that if you would have seen Michigan State and Ohio State play on a neutral field, or not even a neutral field, I, at Spartan Stadium, but have good weather, I think, there's no doubt Ohio State would have won. So now we go back to, okay, if the idea is to get the four best teams in college football, you look at, remember, the next week, Ohio State, even though know, Michigan wasn't great, it was still in Ann Arbor, it was Harbaugh's first year, and Ohio State annihilated Michigan. Possibly tell me you can't, but Ohio State wasn't one of the top four teams, and I'll take it a step further. They were going to win the national championship. They were. If they got in, they were gonna. They were going to win. No, yeah. Ohio State was going to get a second national championship. It was going to happen. So I look at it as, while this year, as I said, no team deserves it, and you know I, I didn't get into this, but I will say I do know what champ. You know, and believe we talked about this yesterday. You know, off the pod, but I do feel strongly. I know what a champion is, and I know what a champion isn't, and I'm fairly confident Ohio State's not a champion this year. I am. But I'm 100% confident that they were a champion. Not that they would have won it, but I do think they would have. And they certainly were deserving of the opportunity in, in 2015. And they didn't get that opportunity. And, and it, it makes it sting more now because of how the last couple of years it went down. So it, it, it's bad. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it, but, uh, you know, we have some other things to, to discuss as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll turn on MJ right. or – Whatever you you know, whatever order you want to go in, um, but uh, you know, if any final thoughts you have, and we can can move on. Yeah, my my closing thoughts on on that, and, and actually, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Talk a little bit about you know winning beating Wisconsin, maybe. Um, here's a I'm whole fine with that portion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then we can move on. My my portion, real quick on on this again. Back to the committee, they should put in there if you lose by thirty. At any point in the season, you're not going because that certainly was something that kept OSU out. Iowa, it's Iowa because when you lose to Oklahoma, and everybody knows this, when you lose to Oklahoma that early in the year, you know you have to run the gauntlet the rest of the year if if you want to easily punch your ticket in without any questions. OSU obviously didn't; they lost to Iowa, but and that's the thing that that Saban talked about that I really didn't like. I really didn't like that when he kept saying, well, if we lost by 30 to anybody in our conference, we wouldn't even be in the conversation. In my opinion, a loss is a loss. Quite frankly, I don't know how many points Alabama lost to uh, Auburn. I know it was double digits, but I know, you know, to me, a loss is a loss. Seriously, a loss is a loss. If there's that L there, no, I understand when, when you look back on it, oh, okay, well, well, you know, this was a much, you know, tough, I mean, like, like Wisconsin lost to OSU 59 nothing three years ago. Uh, Saturday lost in a much closer game, but guess what? At the end of the day, they're both losses. They're both L's. Either way, they don't get rings. Those you won both times. It makes you feel better, but at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. So to me, you know, they need to get these rubrics out of there. And to me, what I think it's just the fact that they lost to Iowa. I don't think it should matter how many points you lose. And if if it, that does matter, they just put in a rubric that if you, if you don't lose by thirty, then you're out. But now. 
with uh, the Big Ten Championship, um, I also didn't like that as soon as the game was over, it was, all right, make your case, Urban. Make your case, X player. Make It wasn't, hey, you're Big Ten champions. How does that feel? And I, I'll say this, and I know you're, you're going to like this, Brian. Uh, I am so happy they won the Big Ten. And I think when we were students, and I think during the Trestle run, especially like before there was the Big Ten Championship game, which is still kind of in its infancy. It's not very long. It's, they've been doing that. I think 2012 was the first year. This is only OSU's second Big Ten Championship since the, since the game was brought in. Um, I think me, especially, took winning Big Ten Championships for, for granted. And, it, you know, please don't call them. I mean, I guess you would even say as an Indians fan, like, if, I mean, it'd be like an Indians fan buying, like, a division champion shirt or a Steelers fan buying a division champion shirt. I mean, you're kind of holding off for the, for the really good stuff. And that's kind of how I used to do with Big Ten stuff. And I bought a Big Ten Championship shirt this year. Uh, long sleeve. Should be here tomorrow. But yeah, I'm excited. And especially, too, because I remember I had a buddy growing up that was a Michigan fan. And he always wore, like, his 97 National Championship shirt. And now, 20 years later, instead of a championship shirt with blue, I can wear one that says Buckeyes. And I think that's really cool that, like, you know, 20 years ago, OSU was at this level of being this great. And 20 years later, they still are. And I hope they are in 20 more years. But, yeah, very happy we won the Big Ten. That doesn't uh, put a dampen. I mean, that's a, a remarkable achievement, as you said, Brian. All the wins we had, Michigan Michigan State, Penn State, which was amazing, amazing. Uh, Wisconsin in the championship game, undisputed Big Ten champions. Last thing, I wish we would have been able to play the Rose Bowl. And I wish we were in a game where if we didn't lose, it'd be a big upset. Because everybody's expecting us to be a good USC team. But not I a agree. great USC team, and I wish we would have had a chance to like play in Alabama. Play, I would have even, I would have taken Auburn. I would have loved to have played Auburn, but unfortunately, we have to play a team. Yeah. If we don't win, it's like a big disappointment. Yeah. Yep, I, I agree completely. I, I yeah, this is like a no-win situation for Ohio State. I, I'm with you 100% on that. I've watched USC a lot. I basically represent them for my career, so I have a ton of respect for the university, and, and I do tend to obviously not in this to support the football program, but I always like to try to be objective, and I can be objective and say they were not good this year. I mean, yeah, Ohio State had its inconsistencies, sure, but Sam Darnold, you know, I think had the most interceptions, I'm pretty sure, in college football. Uh, he, you know, made a ton of bad decisions. I, it looked to me he didn't make any – he didn't show any real growth from a tremendous performance in the Penn State game. You know, it was, it was all, sort of like, I guess, I would compare it to how great Cardell was and then struggle a little bit, you know, in 2015 a, after the great run in 2014. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And if you don't know that you're not supposed to play like Sam Darnold as a freshman played against Penn State, sometimes you do it. So I, I do think Ohio State will win. I, like, I think Ohio State will win comfortably-ish. But they do, no one's going to give them credit. And if they don't, it's going to look really bad. And like you said, if you, have, if you put this game in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl, then it's much a different story because then it's another Rose Bowl between Ohio State and USC. And I don't remember the last time that happened. It's been a long time. But Ohio State won national championships and USC won national championships playing against the other in the Rose Bowl. So there's a great tradition there that we haven't seen in, in, in a long time that at least would have then taken this game and made it a lot more interesting. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. What can you do? But uh, if we actually have a caller, so yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but we do have a caller though. So if you want to let us know your name, where you're calling from, yeah, and what you'd like ahead. to add to the conversation. Yeah, this is Naj. I'm in Atlanta, man. What's up? What's up, Naj? How you doing? Long time. You, 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 hey, man, we, we've heard from you before. How you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm all right, man. You know, it's cold as hell down here, man. I don't know what's going on, man. This ain't right. <laughs> ain't much warmer I'm, up. I'm, I'm moving down here for a reason. Freezing, so I hear you. I'm with you. Yeah, but uh, on the Ohio State thing, I mean, okay, that's cool. They're playing in the Rose Bowl. But, uh, do like, people of a certain age, myself included, uh, do we have these ideas about the Rose Bowl that kids now don't even really care about and they're just looking at the playoff and these bowl games to a certain degree, they just don't have much prestige to the kids anymore. I'm wondering about that, fan base and players. And then the second part, how much money did Ohio State cost the rest of the Big Ten by beating Wisconsin? Like, uh, was this really a good idea? Like, I know this is, you know, competitive sports, you do what you do, but, I mean, what did you really accomplish? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a big check you just didn't allow the Big Ten to get. Uh, that's a huge amount of prestige the Big Ten doesn't have now as being the team who got left out of the playoffs and the SEC gets two. Like, I'm from the Big Ten area. I live in the SEC area now, so I'm tired of these people. And I, I feel like y'all let me down. So any Midwest people out there, hold your head in shame. Uh, USC, whatever. Whatever. But, yeah, I just want to throw those things out there. All right, I'm so, so I'm glad that you, you mentioned. I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned the end of that. I want, I want to make one point, Brian. That you can go. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that at the end because then now I get it. Because initially I was thinking, what are you talking about? Of course, I mean Ohio State's supposed to try to lose, but I get it. You're pissed, and I understand why. It's a tough place to live. Uh, you know, the only it's the only conference, the only entity in sports that I can think of that you actually get chance at a game. SEC, SEC. I mean, it's unbelievable. You've never heard a Big Ten chant or a Pac-12 chant or, uh, you know, AL, you know, AL Central. You know, I mean, it's you've never heard any of that. So, I, I, you know, I, I hear you. I, you know, had things of, yeah. I still, you know, obviously Heather won the Big Ten championship, but I hear you, and and I think it's got to be tough because, you know, I imagine there's a lot of people down there that aren't willing to admit what anybody that knows college football knows, and that is that the SEC was not very good this year for the SEC. It just wasn't. It just was not. It wasn't deep. The The top teams, you know, were very solid, that top three, but there was not one team after that top three that, that was worth a damn. There really wasn't. So, anyway, Brian, you can go on and make your point. Well, actually, I had a question back, and I'm with you know, and with the whole uh, USC thing, I think you're right. And I mean, I was born '85, so all of their epic matchups were were <laughs> before me, about a decade before me, you know, with Archie and everybody, and probably the best OSU team, one of them that didn't win it. I mean, the 15 team, then the '73 team, that their only quote unquote blemish was was a tie with Michigan. But, but Naj, let me ask you, what system do you like most? The playoff system we have now, the BCS, or back when it was 20 years ago, and you know, you're voting. Uh, with the AP and the coaches poll, because because firstly for me, let's just go. I think you can have a combination of both. Like I think, you know, you maybe make sure in bowl season the top eight teams play each other, and then maybe after that you do the AP thing and, and you vote. So in that situation, maybe you know Ohio State, 
plays Alabama this year, so we really do see who's better. We don't get a shot at Auburn or you know or Clemson or whatever, or or uh, Alabama or you know the, you know some of the other teams. But you could, you, know, you at least get a shot at one of those teams. What what do you think? Yeah, I think BCS or playoff, you end up with the same problem. Uh, people with legitimate yep. arguments about why they should be there. Uh, but I think okay, I'll go with what you just said as far as scheduling should be much better. You got to Maybe the idea of scheduling five years ahead of time, I know that's good for them as far as efficiency and price, but maybe not the best thing for outcome. And the second point I would add would be uh, the preseason rankings. Like, we need to get rid of that because you end up overvaluing teams that aren't very good, and the teams who are good have to climb so far in order to get to their realistic ranking that by the time it happens, everything is all skewed. Hell, look how long Florida State stayed in the top 25. So, yeah, I, I think preseason ranking and the scheduling uh, si- uh, system situation that you talked about, I think those are the two answers. But nothing's That's phenomenal points. Yeah, nothing's per- – yeah, and, and there isn't going to probably be a perfect system because, you know, you could say, okay, let's do an eighteen playoff. I don't really want that. I like it. I mean, I, I know it didn't work out per se, but it did from the standpoint that it, it, clearly there was not four teams deserving this year. So then you're going to say you're going to extend that to eight. I mean, even as a Buckeye fan, I can be honest and say, you know, I could I could accept five where four versus five play in a playing game. I could accept six if I had to, but I I don't want to go beyond that. It, it's you know I find I'd find that to be a bit ridiculous. But um, not, not I, I think your, your first you, point was great. Go ahead. Yeah, not to mention, how do you get the stars to sign up for that? Because if your son is going to play three extra games and he has the possibility of being a first round pick. Are you really going to let Nick Saban give him 150,000 carries before draft day? Like, I, it's I a great point. Nobody ever talks about game. that. That's such a good point. Yep, it's such a good point. Well, you're already seeing it now. And I don't blame the kids at all, not in the least. But you're already seeing that, where you're seeing players, you know, for the first time, I think, last year. I'm sure it happened before, but the first time it was really noticeable last year, skipping bowl games because they don't want to get hurt. And I get it. I understand. So to your point, yeah, if you add in a couple of extra games, you're, you're going to have a, 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 a big – you're going to have injuries, which is going to – you know, you might end up – might even end up getting, as funny as it sounds, the best team may not win because they had to play an extra game and got unlucky and got a big injury. And, you know, it could really screw up, you know, a lot of a lot of things. So I think that's that's a great point. And the preseason – no preseason ratings I never thought of, and I love that. Then there's no expectation – then you're, you're literally ranking – 25 teams based upon what you saw, and, and I, I, I'm all for that. I think that's great. Well, hey, Nosh, thanks Indeed, a lot man. for your thanks, time again. Thanks for letting me on. Just let me hang back and listen, oh, anytime. man. But, uh, anytime. Good job, anytime. Anytime, always. So, yeah, that, that, yeah that's, he's great. That, that's great. That's good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, I do think, though, that we have to uh, – we got to move on. Because I, I teased it. I think we got to talk. We, I think we got to talk a little bit about uh, the LeBron Michael thing. Um, I think that, that I think it's now time to have that discussion. And, Our and I'll admit, I was, yeah, I'll admit. I mean, maybe I was a bit fired up just because of you know LeBron having another. He actually had he had some you know turnovers, but almost another triple double performance. But I look at it very simply, and that is the reason why I think clearly LeBron is the best to ever do it is. The, 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 the facet of Michael's game that unquestionably you could say he was better at for sure was his ability to shoot. 
right? No question. He worked very hard to become, by the end of his career, a very solid three-point shooter. We know he was always a great mid-range shooter. And right now, in his 15th season, LeBron James is better than he ever has been at three. He's better than he ever you know, has been at jump shots. He's as good right now, I firmly believe this, he's as good right now at shooting the basketball as Michael Jordan was. I really feel that way. And then when you take that away, was Michael the better defender? Maybe, whatever. And they play different positions. But we know LeBron is the best passer ever. That is truly not debatable. And we know that LeBron can get to the basket like nobody else can. So I look at it as in year 15, LeBron is, should – I feel bad for James Harden. He's getting screwed here a little bit. He had, he's had some great years, but he's not going to be the MVP because LeBron's going to be the MVP again this year. They, they, they can't not give it to him. It's impossible. He's been too dominant. Um, but to me, Michael's got rings, and that's great. He's got rings, to, and we've talked about this before. I think it was a much easier era. Uh, I don't think he nearly had the competition. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see an argument beyond the rings at this point for Michael being a better player than LeBron. So that's why I'm, I'm all in on the idea that not to, and I don't want to be the guy. I loved Michael Jordan. I still love Michael Jordan. I don't want to take that, that disrespect. I don't want to, you know, disrespect the guy. He, he was unbelievable. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And he went on a run. When we, we probably will never see again. And you can never take that away from him. But he was out of the league at this And LeBron James is better today than he's ever been in his entire life. No, and you're, and you're right about everything. And it, it's, it's, you know, I always thought it'd be MJ. Always thought it'd be MJ. And I think the difference is going to be the sustained excellence of LeBron James and, and how his game continues to get better. And his, his eight, like I watched Randolph tonight on the other side. He's still good, but oh man, it's this game not aged. I mean, he can't even, he, he can't shoot threes. I mean, his back is always to the basket. Now he's made it work. He's still in the league, Zach Randolph. But you look at LeBron and now his game continues to change with the way Golden State plays the game, who they're struggling lately. And now they're dealing with injuries and, you know, the Cavs continuing to win now, 13 in a row. I mean, the longest, tied for the longest of all time uh, in their history. And, you know, the, the LeBron's, I, I think where, so, you, you know, Jordan, I think, I think honestly, Brian, like, this will be the thing with LeBron. Jordan had the six rings, but LeBron's going to go to eight finals in a row. He's going to go to at least, I mean, he's, they're going to, I think they're going to go this year. He already has seven in a row, something, something that nobody outside the 60s Celtics have ever done. If he goes to nine, he'll be the only NBA player in history that can say that. I think that's what he's going for, if, if, to be honest. And, and I, think, I, I seriously think that, that is a distinction. Now, will he want to, would he would have won all of them? No. But I still think going to nine in a row is, is up there with winning six. I really believe that. And, you know, uh, you could disagree with me, but, but to me, that's sustained excellence. Like, I dominated a league – half of a league for a decade. You know, the, the, the Eastern Conference was mined for a full decade. I think that is unbelievable. And like you said, just outside of that, defensively, he's right where Jordan was. Jordan was probably maybe better at skills, but LeBron is, is amazing at blocks. How many shots off the glass did, did Jordan block that you still see on TV today? He didn't do it much. LeBron does things like that. It's amazing that LeBron never won a defensive player of the year because he certainly deserves it. And um, you even saw out there tonight, 
you saw defensive possessions where he wasn't trying 100%, and he would raise his arm, you know, when the Kings got one by him. But at the end of the day, he was he does what he has to do. He is his intelligence level has caught up to his athleticism, and he, that to me is the biggest difference between Jordan. So Jordan at this age, age 33 season, LeBron's going to be 33 later this month. That's the year the Bulls went 72 and 10, and Jordan's intelligence level and his athleticism were, were, were the same. But I'll say this. LeBron's athleticism at 33 is better, way better than Jordan's at 33. When Jordan came back from baseball, he was not the same player. His shooting was better. Defense was good when, when it needed to be good. And his shooting was, was great. Athleticism, he lost a lot. He never got back. LeBron's athleticism is still – it might not be where it was when he was 25 years old and was jumping out of the gym. But he still is more athletic than 98% of the players in the NBA. It, it, it really is astounding. Better than Jordan? I don't think I could say that. I think he's there, though. Like, I don't think you can be better than Michael Jordan. I just don't believe that. That being said, I don't think you can be better than LeBron James. I think they have mastered the level of basketball to, the, to its highest level. And I think at that point, I don't think they're exceeding it. You know what I mean? Like, for, for him to exceed it, he would have to, to – steamroll through the finals this year and win it again. He'd have to pull off another 16, in my opinion. That, to me, is the only way I'll say LeBron's better. I will already say he is there. Like, you can put their names in a hat, you grab one, and, and you're not disappointed either way. That's what they used to say about uh, Magic and, and Jordan. I would say that now about LeBron and Jordan. Yeah. But I think, and, they, and, I think and, he's and I, doing another title. That's a though. good argument. That's a that's a very good argument from the standpoint that you're right. I mean, you go era by era. It is a little unfair, I guess, for me to punish Jordan. I mean, I did, and and I'm not taking it back. So I do feel that way, but but I'll acknowledge it's a little unfair to punish that era. But you know, it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I I I I'm willing to you know to, to to give you that. And certainly, yeah. If if LeBron, if the Cavs do win the championship this year, then I do think you, you, there is no debate at that point anymore because then he's won four versus Jordan six. He would have won two out of three years. He won two in a row. Look, you know, Michael did choose to retire, so he'd never won more than three in a row, technically. Not to say he wouldn't have won six in a row or maybe eight, and then, you know, it'd be even harder to have this debate. But, you know, it, it didn't happen. He didn't go to, you know – more than three consecutive finals in his, in his career. Cause he wasn't, he retired, you know? And so I, 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 I don't know, but, but, but more than that, it's just appreciating, truly trying to appreciate what LeBron James is right now. I mean, I, I can't, it, literally it was not long ago. I mean, probably even the beginning of last year where it was like, I don't want you shooting LeBron uh, at least a three, like, what are you doing? Why are you shooting? LeBron made a three tonight from, like, step territory. He really did. And yeah, he had a couple of threes. But he had one really long one that only really Steph Curry has any business probably in the whole league of taking. And maybe Corver, I guess. But LeBron should never be shooting from there. And he, he drilled it. I, I, that's the point, the part that is just I can't get over. And, I know the exact show you know, you're talking I, about, yeah. And, and I think to his credit, you know, what LeBron does that he did 100% get from Michael and anyone that know you know that, that you know has read bios or you know under you know has followed Jordan knows that what Jordan did after in every offseason was he picked one aspect of his game and he said I am going to 
get better at this. And we know the, how much both of them are relentless workers. I'm not going to even say LeBron's, you know, is a more relentless worker than Jordan. Jordan probably was, but LeBron, everyone knows, is a, you know, he works his butt off. He works really, really hard, and he got that from from you know uh, from Michael. He, he he worked on his post up game earlier on in his career and still doesn't use it a lot. But if he ever needs to, he certainly can post on anybody. And and he made the decision that he said. You know, the refs, he said it the other day, and it's true. If you watch a cast, he's not lying. The refs are not giving him the benefit of the doubt as much as they should. I hope it changes, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, if you know you're not getting the benefit of the doubt, then you have to make a decision. And he already said he's not a jump shooter, and that's fine. He isn't. But he's playing the way he's playing. He's playing like a jump shooter who just happens to get, you know, have the ability to get to the rim pretty much whenever he wants. But he's not getting the call, so good for him for recognizing, obviously I can make my team better and myself better by improving that area, but I think that that had to have been part of it too, that understanding of if I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt when I drive to the hoop enough, then I need to be able to help my team, and and the best way I can do that is with shooting. And in an era with three-point shooting, that's the other thing too, is once, once, you know, when Kyrie was gone, he is also smart enough to know that, hey, this team was not going to, you know, was going to lose a valuable three-point shooter. And the initial starting lineup, when you knew Isaiah was out, you said, you know, you knew that uh, with a Derrick Rose as your starting point guard, that, that in itself, even if you ignore the whole J.R. Smith, Dwayne Wade thing, just having a Derrick Rose who's an awful shooter in, at, at any part of the floor, LeBron, you know, had to, to be better. And boy, it's unbelievable to say this, but I mean, again, I have as much confidence right now in him shooting a three as, as I do almost in him driving the basket. I mean, not quite as much, but like it, it, it's it's somewhat close, which is astounding to me because for so long I've watched this guy, and it seemed like the only part of his game, you know, that you, had, you took any issue was he just wasn't a great shooter, you know, at, at least from three point range, and he is now. It, it's it's insane. He's in his 15th season. The guy is an absolute freak. And, I, and here's the thing. He's given the Cavs his best season. Um, I know he had that run in Miami uh, where he was figuring it out. But he took what he learned in Miami and brought it to Cleveland, and that's, that's what you're seeing now. The, the kind of all-knowing what a, a, a really championship top to bottom, what, what everything has to look like. And, and I think he's taken it, and I think he's, he's elevated that at in Cleveland. And you can see it with Corver, they have a report, and you're seeing it. Wade has found this is a little off topic. This is just kind of like update. Like to me the biggest thing I'm seeing with Cleveland defense is better, obviously. Offensive communication is, is really good right now. You're seeing cuts to lane. You know, Crowder is really meshed with this group. He was shooting a lot too much for my liking from the outside, kind of settling for a lot of out you know, outside shots. Seems like now he's he's funneling his game more on the inside. But Wade has really found a comfort zone level in this team. And he is real. You saw it tonight the communication, the high fives, the beautiful alley oop to LeBron. Not just how he's playing, but every, you're seeing Dwayne Wade finding his niche, enjoying himself. Him and JR figuring out that bench thing, uh, loving that. And, and, you know, and I think, again, going back to Jordan. LeBron, the difference between LeBron and Kobe is Kobe wanted to be Jordan everywhere, like player, person, persona, drive, will to win, everything. 
I think LeBron took Jordan's DNA in terms of mental stuff and, and will to win and wanting to get better, but he didn't take a lot of Jordan from a gameplay standpoint. And that's what LeBron's even said, I think, in interviews where he said, like, I never tried to be Jordan because I just that was too out there. I wanted I focused on being like, you know, other kind of players. I think he took things from every everybody else's game. He didn't take anything really from Jordan's game. You don't see anything in Jordan's game from LeBron except for his attitude. And that's what you see and I think that is better served LeBron because he's never had that I have to be like Michael Jordan in terms of how I play. And that's the thing. Kobe was a poor man's Jordan, a great one, but there's nobody that we can compare LeBron James to, no human being ever, and the fact that he's done it with so many different teams, so many different teammates. You know, Jordan had Pippen almost the whole time. He had Phil Jackson for all of the championships. LeBron has been uh, everywhere, bad teams, good teams, great teams, and and I think the best point you made there, Brian, was just in, enjoying the moment. I think late in Jordan's career, he understood that if he was playing a game in Sacramento, how he would get himself revved up was, you know, he knew that there was one person in that stadium that this will, might be the only time they ever see Michael Jordan play. And he wanted them to know that. I think right now LeBron is building memories. He, he wants people, and even me, me included, I'm watching every Cavs game that I can now so I can say I, got, I watched that night. That I wanted to, be, to say I saw when LeBron James did that. And that, I think, is, is understanding and appreciating greatness while you have it. Because when he leaves, you're going to go, man, I wish I could have saw him play that night. Um, and I think LeBron is at that point where he gets he gets that. And he also now, I think, his career won't be harshly judged on the championships, I don't think. Because honestly, it's going to be the memories. Do you remember when LeBron did that? Because that's the thing. What memorable Michael Jordan finals moments do you remember? You remember the shrug? You remember the crazy play against the Lakers in 91, which a lot of people now don't really know about. The layup. The flu like game the in the last. layup thing? Yeah. Is that what you're yeah, talking yeah. about? And, yeah, that was unbelievable. Yep, that's it exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the, the last shot against Byron Russell. But, like, all of those combined, I don't know if they beat. They, I mean, they're obviously there, but, like, the block was, you know, that Golden State, that's the greatest NBA Finals triumph ever. And I think sometimes you have that to me is almost like three championships, and that's what I'm saying is, is that I think from this point I, I remember saying in '16, LeBron's career now he's done it he's reached the summit everything else is just gravy but he's making this gravy look really really good. Yeah, that's it's so true it's it's so true very very exciting the Cavs 13 in a row as of the time that we're airing this podcast. Um, and uh, that's that's tied for the most in uh, in the history of the organization, which is pretty special. So so love seeing that. Cavs will uh, see if they can go to a, and play a, a very one of, you know one of the the surprise in a positive way teams in basketball. Um, Nate McMillan's doing an incredible job with the Indiana Pacers. Everybody who knows anything about basketball knows that even when they're bad, there are certain teams that it's tough to play there for different reasons. Utah and and Denver, where I live are tough to play always because of the altitude. And Utah, probably no offense, because nobody ever really wants to go there. At least not NBA players ever want to go there. Um, and Indiana is another one of those places that it is, it is always tough to win there, uh, no matter what, because they have great fans and, and whatever it is, whatever you want to say, Indiana histor- historically is always really tough to beat at home. So it's not going to be easy. If the Cavs can get that win, then they're, they're going to face a – 
a pretty motivated, pretty hungry Philly team uh, at the cube at second night of a back-to-back. And after the Cavs whooped them pretty good, I imagine that's going to be uh, a very tough, tough one. So I, I'd like to think that the, the Cavs can extend this, you know, to 15. I lo- would love to see them, you know, go into Indiana and win and get it to 14 and set the record. Anything after that, I mean, at this point, I'm good regardless of what happens this weekend. But uh, certainly would love to, you know, love to see that. And, uh, you know, IT is going to be back before we know it. And it's, it's very exciting. So um, we don't have a ton of time, Brian, so I think we should probably move on and talk a little bit, uh, a little bit about the Blue Jackets. And I want to conclude the Diardo show tonight both, with both of our opinions on and just talking about Ryan Shazier um, as, as a great man, a great player, and, and, and how we're, you know, obviously thinking about him, praying for him, how scary and, and tough a night was Monday for, for, for anybody, not just football fans, anybody. Um, we should talk about that, but, uh, CBJ wise, um, I know is it, yeah, tough night, <laughs> tough night against the devils. Um, and, and I'm sure very, very frustrating. The power play is also very frustrating. It's the worst power play in, in hockey. It's weird that they are, but, and they had some struggles with the power play last year, this year, it's just horrendous. And they got, they have to find a way to get that going but when it's all said and done, you, you do look, and, and they're right there in the Metro. Like, I don't think anybody could be upset with the amount of points that the Blue Jackets have, but it's things like the poor power play and, uh, you know, being dominant. It, seems, it does seem, and it's fair to say, when, when the, the Blue Jackets, when they lose, they've been dominating. So those are things I think are legitimate criticisms. But when you look at the overall body of work, and if you disagree, please let me know that. But I think when you look at the overall body of work, I don't think you could ask for anything more than what the Jackets have given you in terms of points playing in the toughest division in hockey. No, you're right. If you look at the record, you go, great season. I think they, they might be off to the best start of franchise history, which no one's really talking about. So, which I think is okay, because the expectation is that yeah, should be this. Yeah, the franchise team, history like. is terrible, so it's fine. <laughs> right, so that's not saying a lot. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so you're happy with that. But I think the thing that, that, to me, is discouraging is that consistency. Because every time I've been to a game, you know, that's the first, last time was first home loss I've seen in, in 13 months. I normally get to a few games a month. So that's, you know, 10, 13 games I've seen since they've lost in regulation at home. And... The common denominator in that streak was they always played hard. They never got outplayed. Even games, you know, the one game they lost in that stretch, they didn't get outplayed. They were thoroughly dominated uh, last night in every single facet. And the biggest thing I didn't like was there no enforcer. Um, Devils consistently had a guy right by Bobrovsky in the net, where a couple times Bobrovsky had to shove him out of the way. And you got to be thinking, you know, if you're Bobrovsky, clear this guy out. Where's Jody Shelley? Where, where's our enforcer? It, heck, if Foligno has to do it, he's the captain. He needs to do that. But, you know, yeah, that's the thing to me that's troubling is that, yes, just a few nights earlier, like we did this podcast on Monday night, they're coming off a, a great win in Washington, down 2 nothing, come back and win. They've had plenty of those games, too, where if we're talking after one of those nights, it's, it, it's happiness, it's kumbaya. But the consistency has not been there this season. That has to pick up. And I think that if you're John Tortorella, how do you change that? How do you get the guys every night? And I think 
I think the thing that was refreshing at first with this team, you, you heard, oh, he doesn't do morning skates all the time. He's kind of got a different kind of attitude with the team. We might be seeing, and maybe I'm reaching, but we might be seeing the negative effects of that because maybe sometimes they don't bring that same attitude to the ice all the time. Now, maybe if they had the morning, a morning skate before a game, maybe Torrella senses that at that moment. But maybe since they're not there, he doesn't know. So whatever it is, they have to get that better. Because if you face Pittsburgh on a night where you're like last night, you're going to get smacked. And, you know, losses to the Devils who aren't necessarily a rival, you can kind of shake that off. They're going to play them again Friday night. I would expect better performance in Jersey. But uh, if you lose to Columbus – or I'm sorry, Pittsburgh 5-1, to one, those things will stay with you. So let's hope they can get consistent. And let's get some Blue Jacket fans into that stadium. Tickets are really cheap, so that can't be an excuse. They're a really good team, so I don't want to hear – they didn't show it last night, but, you know, so I don't want to hear people say, oh, they're not a good team. You know, I'm tired of going to the arena and seeing 12,000 fans in a stadium that holds over 18. Let's get more people into that stadium because this is a good team. And, you know, for fans that are upset that the crew might be leaving, go to go to a Jackets game and, and maybe you'll see why they're leaving because those that, that team didn't get uh, properly supported – but you could argue that it was because of ticket sales or because of how expensive crew tickets are. Columbus, you don't have that excuse. They play downtown, so uh, you should go to games. That's my two cents on the Blue Jackets. Yeah. No, and, and, and that, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that you'd have issues. It's a wonderful experience. It's, a, it's an exciting young team. The future is bright. Um, you know, I know last year, you know, obviously didn't finish the way you would have wanted to, but, but it was, you know, a tough series against the, the two-time Stanley Cup champions. So, you know, I mean, there's really not, you know, not an excuse. I will say that I, my hope would be, and, and, you know, obviously you could you would know better living in Columbus your whole life, but, um, you know, I, I would like to think with Ohio State football ending that, you know, maybe that will – increase the interest. I don't know if you think that's the case. Ohio State basketball, despite starting off 2-0 in conference, is not good. I mean, I don't know what the future is. I think the future is going to be pretty bright. I do like the coach. You know, the, the players, he doesn't have a ton of talent, whatever. I don't know. I'll talk too much about Ohio State basketball because I'm really not a big, big, big college basketball fan. But I can at least say from that standpoint, the, the Buckeye basketball team is not going to take, I guess is my point, not going to take fans away from Nationwide Arena. Um, so I would like to see that. I'd like to see that pick up, and you know, I, I, I that, that's I, I will say. I mean, I am looking very much looking forward to Friday night in New Jersey. Uh, the Jackets going to get two days off. You're going to play them again. They embarrassed you in your house. You got to go in there and, and at the absolute minimum, you got to play them real tough. You know, you'd like to say let's get a win, let's get to you know, overtime, and at least get a point. There's a lot you'd like to say. But at a minimum, you know, it, it better be a one-goal game or a two-goal game where the final goal's on the on and empty, not the end. But it was a real close, tough, strong, and forth. Uh, I think that's the absolute – you have to get that uh, out of the game Friday. And, you know, uh, yeah, the Devils are not a quote-unquote rival, but they could, could develop into one. And you're talking about a situation where, you know, had the Jackets have won, then they would have – you know, then they're all alone – as the leader in the Metro versus now New Jersey is. So even early in this season, that's something that you would, you would think would, would provide some added motivation and you get a better effort than that would be. 
Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, I, you know they, they have no problem filling the stadium on the weekend. But, yeah, let, let's get some things here going on during the weekend. Again, I, I, I think they'll figure out the power play scoring. I mean, they were the, one of the best teams in the power play this time a year ago. So, it's almost like a batter getting through a slump. Um, the passes were good last night on the power play. I thought they were figuring things out. They had a couple of whiffs, which, which it, it brought me back to the inaugural years of bad blue jacket. <laughs> it's funny now when you go to the stadium and you say to somebody younger, that reminded me of an inaugural season game. And you, that, cause you now you remember they're creeping up to 17 seasons. And this is for another podcast, I think, because we want to get to Ryan Shazier story. We, the Jags need to bring back the Stinger jerseys, at least for like a throwback night. Uh, if they want to bring back some, some money and merchandise sales, yeah, go ahead and do that one night. It'll do really well. Yeah, I guess I, I, I don't know much about that, but it sounds like from what you're saying, hockey maybe doesn't do as good of a job as – the NBA does, where they have a ton of jerseys. Some of them, I think, yep. suck, but I know people are buying them. So, it's, so the NBA, yep. they're geniuses. College football and college basketball are geniuses. They do a ton of that kind of stuff. And, again, like the Ohio State basketball jerseys, if you saw, I thought it was awful. And I, in person, I, I was told that it looks red, but on TV it didn't. It looked orange uh, to me. At I least saw that, yeah. Whatever. But, yeah. But, but whatever. It is what it is. But uh, – um. You know, I, I guess I, getting to Ryan Shazier, I want to kind of say my piece, and then I started the show and have you conclude it with uh, with your thoughts. That you know, is that since you cover the team and have have watched Ryan Shazier, I can't imagine you've missed many, if any, of his games between college and 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 the NFL. You probably have seen every single one of his games, minus maybe you missed one or two for uh, I assume a very very legitimate reason. But you know, the man, he's a good man, very good man, um, great man. Uh, his father's a chaplain, and uh, you know it, it, it's it, it, you know it's scary. It's scary. It's sad. At some point, we can have the discussion. I don't think it's appropriate now that we can have the discussion. You know, where Mike Mitchell, his whole comments about this is football, and, and essentially, you know, injuries happen, but we, you know, the game's the game. We can have that conversation at some point. I don't think that's appropriate tonight, but just on a human level. You know, your your initial reaction when you see that was, oh, my God, is he ever going to walk again? I mean, and, and there's not enough out right now to completely say with confidence that he will. I'd like to think that we've heard enough of an update that he will. But, you know, really none of this has anything to do with football. You know, it would be great to have him come back if he wants to because it's his livelihood. He's a damn good player, and he should be able to live that dream. But it's about this guy having a normal life. And, and this guy not being negatively impacted. And you just you pray that things turn out, that he doesn't have any, you know, long-term damage, if, if that's even possible from a hit like that. And, you know, I, I just want to say, obviously, he's a Buckeye. So a special place in, in the, my heart for him as a Buckeye. But just learning more, especially over the last few days and sort of reminding myself of all the things I read about and all the things I heard about Ryan when he was on the Buckeyes, you know, this is a this is a truly good man. It's terrible when something like this happens. It is going to be a lesson. You, you have to see what you're hitting. You can't have your head down. He did that, and, and you know, it has a lot to do with the injury. So I do. I, I think you do need to show that hit to, to, to kids at all levels, even though it's sad, because you do need to make sure that kids understand. The, you know, and Ryan does too. But it happens. You, you have to be looking at what you're hitting, and uh, you know, just more importantly, just want to say again, I'm. I'm not a religious person, but I'm certainly praying for him 
hoping everything goes goes the best and, and uh, you know, really, really rooting for the guy and I'm just sort of anxiously awaiting. I respect the process, um, but very anxious to get some news and, and hopefully some, some good news that, uh, you know, ultimately this is not going to turn out to be what it seemed like it may be, which was truly devastating. So, Ryan, thinking of you, much love, praying for you, and uh, hope to see you, uh, you know, get a speedy recovery. Yeah, very well said there, Brian. And, uh, yeah, I'll close it up if you're cool with that. And, uh, you know, yeah, very well said, and, and you hit a lot of great things. And right now he's at the UPMC Center in Pittsburgh, uh, still being evaluated by doctors. He was flown out of Cincinnati. Mike Tomlin and the Steelers said nothing but the best things to say about the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, their treatment of him. Um, you know, the thing is, and Mike Tomlin said, he goes, you know, Ryan's a very spiritual person. The Steelers shows how classy they are. They actually went to the Shazier parents, and they flew them on a private plane out to, to be with Ryan, uh, which was – I love that. But, um, you know, it was uh, – you know, the, the, the thing is, I think every player that suffers an injury like that, there's going to be some, some sort of an outpouring from not only teammates but other teams and coaches and whatnot. What's happening with Ryan? I mean, the, the Ravens said a team prayer for him because they know his father's done things with them like team prayers and whatnot and has worked with the Ravens. But this is almost like I don't remember a situation where this many players and teams have, have reached out to Ryan Shazier. I mean, it is a amazing amount of, uh, of people and coaches and whatnot, and that really shows you how beloved he is. And, you know, his attitude year one, the tweets – wanting to be the best, talking about it. Uh, it, it, was, it was the same then when people looked at him as a bust, and it's now when he is still right now is the number one uh, Pro Bowl recipient on the AFC for inside linebackers. He's number one and still is number one. He st- I mean, he leads the Steelers in four different categories statistically. I mean, he is having an amazing season, which obviously pales in comparison to his, what he needs to happen at the hospital and what we hope is going to happen. Um, the team hasn't – I mean – there still is not an official diagnosis on what happened to him. There's reports out there, but nothing uh, official. Um, I, I will say this: uh, you know, I hope he, I hope you know, whatever with football. I've been asked a lot whether he's going to play. I don't know when he's going to play, and I don't that that's irrelevant. I will say this though: I'm happy regardless what happens, regardless of what happens. Ryan Shazier proved he was a very good player on the NFL level, like very good. You know. Made the Pro Bowl last season, played in it, was so excited. How many players don't care that they were voted into the Pro Bowl? Ryan played and played his heart out. Um, he puts his body, unfortunately, in bad positions sometimes on the field. Which he has suffered a lot of injuries in his career. That's where Steeler fans labeled him a bust a few years ago. Um, now, you know, he can say no matter what, he, he belonged at the NFL level and was a great player. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, getting to cover him and regardless of what happens, uh, you know, you know, praying for him and, and his family through this difficult time. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you updated on everything with him. And, uh, Brian really enjoyed doing this podcast with you, buddy. We always love doing this. And, uh, for all of our fans out there, go bucks. And, uh, we'll be back again shortly. Uh, the Diardro show talking about the Buckeyes matchup against USC.